once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 64. As we always do at the top of every program, a reminder to please rate, review, leave a review. Hit me with your words. I want to hear your voice. Download and subscribe and share with a friend. We appreciate all the help. Again, we're talking World Cup and a lot of people are getting into podcasts about this sport, including this one. So we'll keep it going. We have seven months still until we kick things off in Qatar. And it's going to be hard not to talk about the World Cup every dying second. But there's so many other things to talk about, including this week. Very special guest, Warren Barton. I started up the conversation about USA England in a World Cup group and how the perceptions of the United States by the English, the perceptions by the of the English by the United States. What an odd working relationship we have with so many English and Americans in this soccer space in this country. We'll flesh it all out. Are we disrespecting England? Are we giving the United States enough credit? That's coming up in the business end. In stoppage time, as you may be probably aware, and this involves me, there is uh, a big media deal awaiting regarding Major League Soccer. And I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm wondering why people have something against this league. We'll get into that and why that has to change for soccer to truly succeed in this country. This is the Soccer OG. Love being with you every week. Let's go. Great to be back with you again here. Uh, this may sound a little different because I'm recording this from Miami in my mom's house, our childhood home that uh, my mom is selling in Miami Beach on 50, on the 50s and Alton Road. I shouldn't give you the exact address, but it's there. And, it's, and Alton Road has become a big thoroughfare in Miami, so it's good we're getting out. Mom may need a little smaller space. I'm in Miami uh, to call some games for Copa Libertadores. It started in the group stages. Nothing makes me happier. And what great images. I got to do Estudiantes versus Vélez Sarsfield. And these games, are, this is like the global feed. So anywhere in the world. And we know we have a global audience. I want to say hello to all the folks in Spain that have been tuning in. Te escucha. Gracias por la, su apoyo. So that's very cool. And we welcome people from anywhere. And hopefully we can have topics that would uh, interest you. But hearing these Copa Libertadores games, and I did Estudiantes and Vélez Sarsfield from the Jorge Luis Hirschi Stadium. And Estudiantes, a club with an incredible history. They've won four Copa Libertadores. They are the club where Carlos Bilardo is from. And Carlos Bilardo became the coach of Argentina in 1986, won a World Cup, got to 1990 in a final. There is an, a documentary, I believe it's on HBO Max, Bilardo, the, what is it? Just look for Bilardo, but it's like the teacher of football or the, the scientist. I can't remember, but it's Carlos Bilardo. Very interesting, incredible characters on that Argentine team outside of Diego Maradona. And they all talk in this, so very cool. Here from Diego Simeone, you hear from Oscar Ruggeri. I'm fascinated with Argentine football, but getting back to Libertadores, Estudiantes had close to a packed house. And uh, I've done these Libertadores games the last two years in 2020 and 21, and everything was empty. It was, you could do it for a bit, but if you didn't have the promise that there'd be fans again, you'd stop calling soccer. It's not fun enough. And then you would get a reminder of why it's so great. And these Estudiante fans singing, and it was, you looked at the crowd, it was, it was like adults, it was kids, it was grandparents, must have been families together cheering for it. I, I hadn't seen that in a while. It was very touching. So the Copa Libertadores has been very fulfilling. 
Um, I also want to talk about uh, a game I did on earlier in the week between Red Bull Bragancino in the uh, Paulista area, a team that's owned by Red Bull, and Nacional of Uruguay, which is really where they started fan culture. Uh, the hinchada from Nacional is where it began. And the ultimate compliment, I work for LAFC, and we'll be talking about MLS in stoppage time here shortly. I work for LAFC, and one of our players, Pancho Ginela, is from Uruguay, and he was from uh, Montevideo Wanderers. So I'm doing the press stuff with him on a Thursday, and he's like, Max, I heard the game. That's a terrible impression of him. And I go, how was he? He goes, it was very good. So... You know, sometimes you do these games and you wonder if anyone's listening because we all have to watch enough football. And that kind of gets you to the discussion I'm going to have about Major League Soccer. You can't watch everything. People have no idea how challenging this is. When people cover the NBA, you cover the NBA. When you cover baseball, you cover Major League Baseball. If you cover NFL, NFL, and maybe college football, a lot of people cover the NFL or college football. When you cover soccer, you cover MLS, USL, US Men's National Team, Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, Champions League. You see where I'm getting at? Liga MX. It's hard, man. So you can't watch everything. So I figured maybe South American football is not on the menu. But uh, Pancho Ginella, not a Nacional guy, but he tuned in. So we appreciate that. So that was very cool. Did want to talk about something that came up and it's pretty fresh. I haven't really read the details, but I know Borussia Dortmund game. Gio Reyna came out. Uh, hamstring about two minutes in, less than two minutes in. Uh, there's images of him coming off crying. And it breaks your heart. Uh, I, I wish, though, I could say I didn't expect this because I sent a tweet out. So Gio Reyna, perhaps the most talented player in the U.S. men's national team pool, had this long hamstring injury. Uh, he was out. And then he was gone for five months or so. Came back. And in his first game back, he got injured again. Uh, a little tweak, and it was minor. But I tweeted at the time, I go, look, when, when you're off for that long and you come back and you get injured again, that's a big alarm bell. Big alarm bell. I said it then. People came back at me, and I said he shouldn't even think about the World Cup. His body is telling him something. Maybe it's the training crew for Dortmund, and I would suggest getting away from there for a bit and go to some specialists and talk because there's a, a bad track record with Dortmund and some of these players. I said at the time, don't even think about the World Cup. Focus on getting your body right. I'm not saying don't play in the World Cup. I'm saying don't focus on it. People respond to me, are you crazy? It's seven months, eight months away. It was nine months away at the time. So I was, I'm, go, I'm just saying, I've seen it before in sports. When you get injured after you were injured for five months on the very first game back, not good. I mean, I can't remember. I think it was the second game back. It was right away. That's your body saying you're something. So Reyna came back, played some games for Dortmund, played some games for the U.S. men's national team. And on a Friday night game against Stuttgart, right away, there it goes again. Gio Reyna, I know, is going to be gripping and his attention is going to be going to World Cup. I got to get back for the World Cup. He's got to take the timetables away. Take away the timetables. Focus on getting your body well because you're a teenager. And I'm not saying the 2022 World Cup is in peril, but don't even think about it. You're, you're qualified now. Now's the time to really focus on you. And this should be an alert for the coaches, the powers that be at Dortmund and the U.S. men's national team about what's going on for him. Because we can't derail that. It is too... 
it's too it's too cherished it's too precious i should say so hugely disappointed i know all of all of us who cover the u.s men's national team our bodies just sank and we as we should but i hope he gets to uh get well he has time for the world cup but for some reason if it's back and forth and his body's still not ready there's no world cup it's body first and they'll go on forward from that the soccer og coming up in the business and i'll be joined by warren barton usa england who you got stoppage time the media rights package for mls what's at stake that's all coming up next Time now for the business end and a man I've got to spend a fair amount of time lately and got to spend last weekend with as he joined us for the LAFC broadcast against Orlando City. England phenomenon, great, great right back, manning up that side for Newcastle United. I have to do this every time, Warren, you know that. Do you enjoy that or are you like just shut up and get on with it? No, no, no. That's what I pay you to do. So that's that's what I, that's what I would like. Thank you very much. Just keep wonder, going. I'll... Okay. Well, I'm going to say something, Warren, because we were doing the broadcast, and then I I complimented you because we always take shots at each other, and people are like, "Are you guys getting along?" I go, "Yeah, I've known Warren a long time." So we kind of go at each other, and and then at the end, I said, "Listen, I mean, for all these people, because I know there's a younger generation, they may not have seen Warren Barton play, but you got you were a rock star. You played for the coolest team, and then I mentioned Robbie Musto, kind of unsolicited." And because he's so soft-spoken, and I, I, when I, when people say, when they see Warren and when they see Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl, do they realize how good these guys were? Because Musto, and look, because you played for Newcastle United, which was the best club, one of the best clubs then. Now, not as much. He played for Middlesbrough, which is not even in the Premier League. But back then, those two clubs were at the top, and Robbie was dominant in these games. And you, the, the camera loved you every time this big run going forward. So I just want, before we get started, just remind what great players you and I dragged Robbie into this uh, were and how appreciative we are that we have you in this American media market. Well, it's a pleasure, my friend. I didn't know Robbie was on the payroll as well. So <laughs> he must be paying you some big bucks. <laughs> I, he was doing this game. And he was so mild mannered. I go, people probably think this guy didn't even used to play because he's kind of quiet. And I go, but he, was, he really was. No, he was an animal on the field as well. He could put his foot in. He was a good player. And I played with Robbie for five years at Wimbledon. So, we had, we had a lot of good time. So it's, it's good to see him being successful. Well, I've time. asked you about that, but playing for that Wimbledon, that was kind of right around the crazy gang, right? Or you were just... Oh, yeah. No, no, no. When you said that that was a rock band, that wasn't a rock star. That was a rock band. Oh, we yeah. Many a good time, my friend, but not for your ears at the moment. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> when you get yeah. to 50, which is obviously quite soon, then I'll let you How know. How dare you? How dare you? I told you... <laughs> I told you that confidentially. So I, the cat's out of the bag now. I didn't say, I would have said it, but I don't want to draw attention. I'm turning 50 on Monday. But, uh, and you're a little older than me. You look great. You take good care of yourself. When I was a kid, I don't know if you experienced this. When I saw someone who was 50, it was like Wilfred Brimley, which now looks like 70. But he was like, I'm 50. I go, you look, is that what 50 looks like? Because I better pick up the pace here. You better go to some places. There's, there's some good places in LA that can help you out, by the, the way. The, the a, end is near. <laughs> yeah, you need a bit of help. <laughs> get down but, Rodeo Drive. Get yourself, get yourself yeah. some injections. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, did, I did it once for uh, my forehead, and it looked good. And then I go, this is great. And then my wife goes, you have to do that every two weeks. I go, I'm out. I'm not doing this every yeah. two weeks. What, the injections? Or what she talking yeah, the little, about what is it weeks? called? Oh, the filling. Sorry. The filling in oh. bet right between your eyebrows. 
I wonder what you were talking about every two weeks. See, that's called back. <laughs> That's called banter. People don't get it. They think we're having a go, but that's called banter. <laughs> oh, okay. Enough of uh, our grooming issues and our age. But uh, uh, let's look. I, I, this is why I wanted to bring you on. So I'll start with it. And we were talking about it when I saw you last. And USA England gets into the same group. And this obviously creates a big discussion. There's so many. The English are everywhere in this country. So you can't walk two steps without running. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, Governor. Hello, Governor. So it starts going, and it, it's it's a healthy rivalry, but it's also there's these perception things, and I find it intriguing. But you know, what were your thoughts when you first saw that draw? I mean, what, what did you think? How do you view what the conversation is going to be like for six, seven months before they kick that that game off, which will be the second game for both teams in Group B? Listen, be, if we're going to start this thing off, be honest as well, because it don't you don't just say it intrigues you; it actually annoys you the way the English are. I've known you now for 13... Ah, let me finish. 13 years I've known you, and you have non-stops about the English. So you've got a hiccup about them. So let it go, but can Let I, it go. Okay, I've changed, my, I've changed my direction because I dealt with the David Seaman, then the David Beckham, and then the, the Lampard and Gerard and Rooney teams, and they were all like, yeah, we're good. But I looked at them, I go, they're not that good. They're flawed. They're not that good. When the U.S. played England in 2010 and they got a tie, I look back and I was right. And then Germany thumped the English. So all of that happening, I'm like, cool down. It's not coming home. But this England team is something else. This team, this England team, not only I mean, they didn't they got to the World Cup semi and the Euro final and they got it easily. They got to both those games easily. They were barely tested. And then they have a. They have a big core group of players that are excellent. And now they have this new group of young players coming in. So I'm not, I'm not on board this time, Warren. I think the English are being disrespected. This is not a gag, by the way. This is not, <laughs> I think this team is, could win the World Cup. So when we talk about it, we can't compare it with the 2010 team. That's how I feel. Max, you're right. When that 2010 team and individually, Gerard Lampard, Michael Owen, Rooney, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole, uh, and then you had Gary Neville. When you have them names and see what domestically they won, it, it was a bunch of individuals by a coach who was an individual as well. This group of players is a team, and you said it about four times, this England team, and he's moulded a team, Gareth Southgate. And I played with Gareth when we was at England, and we used to just talk about the game in general when we was 25, 26, and obviously he was involved in, in Euro uh, 96 with Terry Venables. And what he's created is a great culture of togetherness, uh, a good spirit. He has got the core players, which people find it hard. Pickford is not everybody's favourite sure. goalkeeper. But Harry Maguire is not everybody's favourite. A lot but of people said Better with hard. England than Manchester United. Correct. And then you go through the team of Sterling. And then obviously um, he always goes with Harry Kane up front, even when he was having difficult times. So he's stuck with a core of four or five players. And then around that, because of his background with the under-21s, he knows there's a great generation of young, exciting players. I mean, just look at the right-back situation. Trent Alexander, how he dealt with that. Then you've got James, the young player at Chelsea. And the list goes on and on and on throughout the team. So he's really... Credit to Gareth uh, has generated a, a real good team um, spirit and togetherness in an international setting, which is very difficult because you're normally only together for three or four days. Uh, and players that have come in and Saka from the young Arsenal player comes in, does well. Grealish has used him when he needed to. 
So there's a lot of quality uh, and togetherness in the team of our understanding how we played before. It was like, okay, Frank, Stephen, you go and do the game. Paul Scholes, Beckham on that side. You go and win. There was none of that. We're going to play as a team. And I was involved towards the end of my career and hear the different things with the wags and how people was travelling to games. Yeah, the travelling to games. It got out of control with Capello and Sven. Um, but it's sort of come back now with the players having an affinity with the fans. They have access to the fans as well. I know England fans booed one of their own players, which is not to be accepted with Harry, uh, Harry Maguire. But everybody rallied around Harry and stuck by him and looked after him and said, he's one of us. If you do it to him, you're doing it to us. So I totally agree with you, Max. Before, it was a in- bunch of individuals and great individuals, but was never put together as a really good team. This has been put together as a club team playing international football. And that's a, that, that's a dangerous uh, team to have, you know, and we've gone under the radar a little bit. Yeah, it was just crazy. And uh, because some of these other, these previous teams and the Nevilles and those guys, when you, they were given stuff they didn't really earn, but this team has, and I'll, you can, I'm going to hear what you have to say about this, but this is also hard for me to say. It's a very likable team. And I think at the end of the Euros, when Gareth Southgate went over to Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho and consoled them and that he, before even talking about the loss, he's talking about his players. I got goosebumps. I mean, I understand there's tactics with Gareth Southgate at the end of these games that have to be addressed. They should have beaten Italy. But when I see the team and the coach, I, I'm like, if they didn't have those three lines on the shirt, I would pull for them. I would like this team. There's st- <laughs> and that was genuine with Gareth. With Spen and was when Spen would go and have pictures, it was for his personal gain to be there with Beckham and Posh and whoever he could get his arm around. He wanted to have a picture going into a restaurant. So it was more about his image. But with Gareth, this is a genuine thing that he wants to protect his players and he felt for his players. He did it in Euro 96. He missed the penalty. He made a big call to put players on to try and put the ball into the back of the net without kicking the ball. That's a, that's a big call. It backfired. Um, maybe, again, that's a slight disagreement. I think Italy was the best team in the tournament. Uh, yeah. But look what's happened to them for this World Cup. And I think you're getting that same feeling with this group of US players, the young players that we've got coming through, Adams, McKinney. They're all people that you can sort of not relate to, but you sort of know what they're up to because of their activity on social media. Even Christian Pulisic, who seems a very quiet young man, you know, very uh, reserved about he, how he goes about. But there's a likable thing about him sometimes. You know, that, that young boy doing well. And I think they're doing that same. And I think Greg has had a lot of conversations with Gareth Southgate about, about his group of young players. And maybe before in the past, and we've worked with a lot of them, you know, Tony and uh, Lexi and, you know, these guys, Kobe went on and got 100 caps and was, was you know, always going to play. Now there's a group of young players that feel that they, if they do well, they're going to be given a chance and stay in, regardless of what someone's name is on the bench. These guys are going to get that opportunity. And um, I think that's healthy for the US team. There's a, there's a group of young players, and I've been involved in clubs, youth soccer and football for a long, long time, uh, and been involved with Brad Frieda with the under-19s a few years ago. There's a core, a really good group of young players coming along. You know, you go across the world and you speak to people in the Premier League, they're interested about... The, the American players, what are they like? How do they train? How do they behave? You've only got to look what's happened at Germany in the Bundesliga. Uh, and they're normally ahead of the game, the Germans. And the, the Americans now are, are being seen as, as athletes and players that can go into any domestic league and do well. That's interesting. And I've, I've, I've kind of made, I've said before, I go, I think this U.S. team will get a uh, international fan base. No, not huge, but because people recognize, obviously, Gio Reyna has got injured. And, but... 
Christian Pulisic and Serginio Dest and Weston McKinney, they recognize these guys. So there's probably some kids in some parts of the world other than the United States that will kind of like this team. And they are, they are, it's fun to watch them grow together. And I think the points that you made are, are very fair. And, and I like the teams in the past, but it was a different, it was a different, how do you say, uh, dynamic with uh, these guys that have been there for a long time and usually stay a little bit longer and you get to know them, but there's something fresh and new to this and that'll change, you know, maybe by four or five years, it's that group. And they're like, all right, <laughs> out you get, uh, but yeah. uh, right now it's, 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 it's fun watching. It's, it's created a, an interesting uh, element here with the fan base where we've got these American, uh, a lot of, you know, podcasts and, uh, Twitter accounts that do really well talking about U.S. men's national team and this player going here and this player doing there and this guy might sign here and all these things going on and I, I've maybe I wasn't aware of it but it, it kind of hit me like a fist to see all of this but sometimes it gets a little it sometimes it's a little spicy and some people have some really bad takes but it's new I mean it, it kind of reminds me with the English fan base because I say I love the coach and the players but when you get a, a t- English t- soccer twitter you roll your eyes and you're like all right here we go this guy but i'm kind of have you noticed it with the u.s fan base i, mean, I understand it's they're not immersed in the sport from birth right now that might change in 10 20 years but they're speaking out and sometimes they have they hit it on the nail and sometimes they're like eee. but it's it's i'm not comparing it to the english but it's kind of they can ruffle some feathers yeah um, listen max i've been over here now 13 years and when you speak about how the game has grown, uh, you know, with the stadium that we work at, LAFC, the team, uh, the players that are involved, the, the coaching staff, it's night and day to how it was. And obviously now with social media, it, you know, me as an ex-player, I sit here, 500 games, play for my country, you know, I've, I've got my coaching qualifications, but there could be a guy in Yorkshire or in West Concert that's got a, an opinion about the game. And Wait, West where? Well, well in, you've got Yorkshire, which is in England. Okay, in I got that one. And West Concert. Yeah? <laughs> Wherever that is, in the Midwest. Oh, that's... In the Midwest. It's <laughs> making stuff it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just making it up. A place in the Midwest where you've got an opinion. And obviously, they have a valid opinion. You have to listen to that and you get on podcasts. You go on, there's people phoning up on radio. And, you know, it's great that you're having this conversation, that people are interested. You know, I was watching a local news program where I live in, in California, and the headline was the U.S. men's team have reached the World Cup. And, and that's fantastic. You know, obviously, San Diego Wave are doing here, and Alex Morgan is, is doing. They had the first win last week at, at home. But, you know, for a local channel in San Diego, which is a hotbed of soccer, but to start off the program to say their men's national team have qualified for a World Cup, it would never have happened, you know, eight, nine years ago. And like I said, people have got opinions. People uh, have their own view about the game. Uh, Some of it I have to scratch my head and and some of them I work with day in, day out. (laughs) So What do you you say? Oh, bring it down a notch. Yeah, just settle down. Settle down a little bit. There was a famous one when the the, the Copa America Centenario came on and it was like Alexi and Stu and then it was Fernando Fiori and they asked, who do you think is going to win? It was Messi and Argentina. And Alexi and all the three American guys picked the U.S. flag, and then Argentina blew the doors off. We're all like, and then it became a, like a meme where they go, it goes, remember this? And you see the three USA flag picks. And I, I would have, I would have liked to have picked the U.S. And I understand why they do it, but you know, we got to be, we got to be realistic. We got to be realistic. Yeah, but yeah. that's why this, that's why I feel about this England USA game. Yeah, that's you know, at the end of the day, 
and I, I spoke to you, Max, off air, if in the US had been pulled against, say, Portugal, Belgium, it would have been headlines. It would have been great and it would have been a good story. And, you know, we'd have built up that maybe Argentina with Messi and maybe his last World Cup. But when it come out of England, it just has a certain vibe about it. You know, because in the US, so many people watch the Premier League. You know, so many yeah. people support different Premier League teams, whether it's Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, Man City, you know, the list goes on, Newcastle. So, but it has that affinity and they watch the games and they the stadiums and they love going over and hearing the songs, the atmosphere and the, the drinking in the pub beforehand, having that, you know, soccer experience. So when it was England, it's like, okay, the gloves are off. And now, you know, we've got Moadu in the studio, we've got Stuart Holden. You know, we've got seven months and yourself, we've got seven months of, of having banter with each other and where it's going to go. And I think as a, as a pundit and for working with Fox, it's going to be Black Friday. It couldn't be any better for it, the US playing England at 11 o'clock uh, Western and obviously in the afternoon uh, Eastern time. So that's going to be two, two o'clock in the afternoon on a, on a holiday. On a holiday, you know, and that's going to be big figures. Now, as a as an England fan, and obviously being in the US, it's a great game because people, they match up really well against each other. They're both, you know, athletic. They're both quick. Maybe not the most technical team. So it should be a real end-to-end -end entertaining games. I think both teams will make mistakes at the back uh, and probably who has the best goalkeeper is going to come out of this. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, twists and turns, but it's just adds to that added spice of what's going on. A little bit unsure what's going to happen, obviously, with, with Scotland and Ukraine. We're still waiting to hear there. And obviously with Wales uh, and Iran gets thrown into the equation as well, which adds another dimension as well, because that's a little bit of the unknown. But as soon as it come out, England, you know, my phone blew up. I'm then twittering about someone. They're having some fun. And this is going to go on for another seven months. So, um, like I said, it could have been another nation, another top top nation, and it would have had a, a good feel. But this has got everybody interested. It's got, you know, people are talking about the game, how it's going to happen. We're going to beat you. We're going to, I'm, there's no doubt I'm going to have bets with you. I'm going to have bets with Lexi. I'm going to have bets with Stu. I'm it's keeping my money. On, I'm not betting on the USA yeah. on this one. I'm keeping my money. <laughs> yeah. It's like Rob Stone. I, I'll ask Rob Stone, but he never pays up anyway, so there's no point worrying. <laughs> Come on, Stone. Come on, Stoner. <laughs> Oh. He has got he has got eight kids though, so we'll do let him off. <laughs> he said that to me one day, and he goes, "Hey, you got any kids?" I go, "Oh, they didn't tell you about me." <laughs> yeah. I go, "Yeah, I got a few." But uh, little alley cats, they're all over the place. I, I, I was thinking about it. What would have been the best draw for the U.S.? And it's it'll be either England, I think Brazil. You know, even though it's Neymar, it's not one of the superstars, but Brazil just being Brazil and seeing once seeing the the optics of those yellow jerseys and the U.S. one, you'd get going, and obviously maybe Messi and Argentina. And I wouldn't even say Ronaldo and Portugal because they played that game and it was like, it was good. And I don't think Portugal's a top team. They're just too up and down. But I think it would be England, Brazil, maybe this order to me. Brazil one, England just a skosh behind them, and then Argentina three. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Brazil has that aura about them and this Brazilian team. They're going to be one of the favorites for the tournament. But I just think in this country... With the people that are here, it was so like you said, the, the English are everywhere. They're every, everywhere you go in a coffee shop or a bar, there, there's the English there being a, a bit loudy and and singing a few no. songs. So no, it's going to be really going to be interesting, particularly where you are in LA. What about uh, the, the, the old? You remember the old King's Head there in Santa Monica? Oh, yes. yeah. And that place yeah, always gets there. packed, and it's the worst place. It smells like spilt vinegar and and shepherd pies, and then the TVs are vinegar. tiny. My friend, it's not vinegar. That's not the oh. smell of vinegar. <laughs> I thought it was just someone shaking on their fish and chips and it went awry, you know, no, no, <laughs> under no, the no. carpet. <laughs> it gets too busy in there. It gets too busy in there. But yeah, I mean, it's it's great. People will be waiting to get in there. 
Uh, and, you know, as I said, it'd be a perfect way. But I, I also think as a professional uh, tactical game, they suit up really, really well against each other. I think that's another thing where they have a chance of, of winning the game. That's a, an uh, underreported part of this game, or at least people haven't talked about it enough because everyone's so right at this point. Again, it's seven months, so you don't have to talk about anything anytime soon. But you look at the group. And the U.S., after going through qualifying where they played so many teams that let you possess and you had to break them down, they're going to get that in Wales. They're going to get that in Scotland if they qualify. They'll probably get that in Iran. Ukraine, I have to check, maybe, but they're going to have to break these teams down. England is going to play. So that is a, that's going to make an attractive element. So England may get up two goals early and the drama gets sucked out of it. I, I would say England wins this, but I think it's going to be close. Say, I'll say 2-1 right now, but it, it's going to be a game where you can see some good football. And that's exciting because for so long, we've watched the U.S. have to hammer down. And um, they, they had a respite with Canada and Mexico. The Mexico games have been here, eh, but it's been a lot of trying to break down these teams on the road. So I, that's a big part of it. And I would say, I don't know what the record is, but that'll probably be the most viewed game in U.S. men's national team history unless they go further. Remember, the quarterfinal I made in South Korea and Japan, the game was at 2 in the morning. So uh, <laughs> that wasn't going to do. But the sport's so much bigger now. And as you said, the Premier League's – you know, the Premier League is a big part of it. And that's the, the reason you know it's so big is because a show like Ted Lasso can come along and win these awards. Mm-hmm. If there's no Premier League, then people are watching Ted Lasso going, what's going on? But now you have these American viewers that care about these English characters. And I don't think they would have before. So all of that was going to make this just a massive game. And I'm sure you're going to be there for Fox. Lauren, what'd you think of that first half? And you can, you can just let them have it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be there with my union Jack suit. My <laughs> do you have one? St. George's. I will do. I've ordered one. <laughs> St. George's tie. I'll have one of them ready to go as well. So yeah, I mean, it, the Premier League, we was lucky enough, Max at Fox when it first started in Fox soccer many, many years ago, like you said, when you used to do the games and I was still playing, then I come over and to be part of it. So I'm proud of how the Premier League is. Um, it's the most exciting league in the world. Everybody has their opinion about the tactics and the system and the coaches. Arguably now, because of the finance, it's got the best coaches in the world, um, it, it part of the Premier League. Um, and it's the most watched Premier League. It's so exciting, you know, it's so diverse, it's exciting. It's end to end. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, that's where it gets so so fun to watch and you know the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona are now you know um, realizing that the Premier League can be a force to be reckoned with but that's made but you know look what happened the other day in Champions League with Benzema what a what a story oh. that was I mean I mean people talk about Lewandowski and I'm rightly so what a player he is but Benzema for me I mean he's won four Champions League he just he's just such a class elegant player he's had the problems off the field which has left a bit of a bad taste in everybody's mouth but when he goes on the field, he's just a class act. I mean, them two headed goals was, was phenomenal goals. You know, I'm sitting there going, wow, with my kids watching the game. Have you seen it, a header like that first one? Have you seen it play no, like that? Because it no, got bent no. back by Vinicius. And then he just, I mean, he shot it out of a cannon, it looked like. It was like, like something that yeah, came I mean, out of a, a Nerf gun. Yeah, and Mendy's like six foot five. And the, the angle of the camera, it, it couldn't have been any perfect, any more perfect than it was. And he knew exactly what he was doing. And the other one, just to take the sting out the, the header, but you know, again for France, they're going to be one of the favourites for the tournament. So, you know, but um, the Premier League, everybody in the US watching it, and you know, we was part of it when it all started. So, it's quite nice to see how much it's grown, and we can watch the games morning, noon, and night uh, now in in the US. 
let's put this one to bed really quick. How do you, how do you see the World Cup for England? How do you see it for the U.S.? No, I think it's going to be exciting. I think both teams will get out of their groups. I, I think England will go further than the U.S. Nine, nine uh, points for England. I've seen. I, I, I did a, a little fake bracket, and I had them into the semifinals again, England. So, but I almost put. Against, it, I almost put against, them in the final in this little with the mock bracket I did. I almost put them in the final. Well, you get you get against Group A, which you you know again they won't fear you, but you know you respect them. So they're, they're in a pretty good situation. So <laughs> let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. That was a very diplomatic. Well, you get Group A. Well, you uh, you got to respect. Yeah. Uh, you've already. <laughs> Yeah, I've already put the U.S. through the quarterfinals. We're in. Uh, we're in. Don't have for four weeks. Look let's not beat each weeks. other up. Let's t- let's take it out on Group A. They stink. They don't stink. Yeah. But I know. But I think both England and USA should look at Group A and go. Oh, okay. If we play our cards right, we'll be good. We'll be good. <laughs> so when you get to the quarterfinal, it, it's it's all there. Hey, I, I, you've been covering a lot of Major League Soccer, and coming up on my next segment, I'm going to talk about because there's this rights. Uh, big rights deal coming out. Everyone's waiting for it. And we're wondering what's going to happen with this. And there's a perception with MLS. I've seen it with the national team where the players who come out of MLS aren't as good as the ones that come out of Europe. Uh, People say, I'm not, uh, I can't ever get into it. And I know it's not a perfect league, but what, what do you think it needs to kind of, to get attention? I think it's, it's got this bad perception problem, which isn't its fault. So it has to overcome that and the quality. It's a much better product. You've seen a lot of games. But what do you think has to happen for it to kind of get in the bloodstream? I think it's just a generation thing, Max. I think the it's young too soon? people... Still yeah, too soon. It's, just, it's too raw. It's too soon. But again, in the last 10 years, the development that's gone on, the, the money that's being spent, we need to come away from football stadiums. We, we need to get away from that perception, even when it's back in sky and you're watching and there's a game still in a football stadium with football lines it's still, you think, I sit there and cringe and think, wow, we've taken so many steps forward and then you see that. Um, but again, there's been lots of good things. VAR was one of the things that MLS first started, the spray, the magic spray on the floor, certain things they've done as, as took, people have took notes. The younger players coming along, I, I think what they've gone away from now Major League is the aging superstars. Uh, and I think they had to do that because it, was, it wasn't resonating with a young group of players uh, and group of fans. Uh, homegrown players is something that's important uh, and just what they've tried to do as well is that with the playoffs is make them you know not as much drawn out but try and make them that they're back to back so you can get some momentum uh, one-off games is a, an ideal when we used to do it before you'd play one game then you might have an international break and then you've got and you're thinking I forgot who played the first leg and what the score was so they, they've worked hard on that and, and listen Max, that's I've been there as well as a, a number of years and you're going against you know NFL, you're going against college sports, you're going against baseball, you're going against basketball, and to an extent... And other leagues. And other leagues as well. And you're going against uh, another sport in in hockey as well. So you've got that to write. But I'm very proud of what's happening at the moment. You're seeing, you know, at Charlotte, 76,000 people going there. Let's see where they are in about four months' time with fan base that are there. But, you know, I don't think... Some will leave, some will stay. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and... and that's where the product's got to be better on the field. You know, the coaches are getting better. The players are getting better. The environment for the players uh, off on the training grounds are better. Even we spoke to uh, LAFC's manager, Steve, you know, these chartered flights, you know, that's how you should be traveling. You shouldn't be bunked in and you've got a, a seven-hour flight that you're doing a red eye. You get off the plane, playing. Again. these are professional athletes. You don't expect NBA players to do it. You don't expect, 
you know, uh, NFL players to do it. So, you know, MLS has made great strides. Don Garber's done a, a lot of hard work and should be proud of what he's done. But there's still work to do. There's still work to go. But definitely they're the areas that we need to do. But, you know, I go over the park now. I don't necessarily see too many people playing baseball with their kids. I see people playing soccer. And that's a generation thing that, that's coming along. You know, the, the fan base, the watch parties that are going on. The World Cup is such a big thing. You know, it's only four years, but people get behind that and you've got to keep going. You know, owners are spending like billions and billions of dollars to have success. So the next thing as well is to, to win the Champions League, to beat the Mexican gonna, team. That was going to be my next and question. That, that, that's the next thing that they, they've got to start doing. And, and you called it. You called Seattle, New York City FC. And I think this is the year. And But... It, it's it's a minor thing in everything you've listed. It's a minor thing, but if you can beat League MX, those some of those fans that are kind of digging in their heels will go, okay, that's a good result. Okay. And if you play in a club world cup and you say you play Liverpool and you're, you're, you lose one, one zip and you're hanging in there, you go, okay, but you can't do that until you win this. So do you think see, Seattle obviously has play. a big foot in there. I think they, this could be it. Not only because they're playing well, but because of the opponent that they'll, they'll face isn't going to be Tigres or America, or one of those clubs. Yeah, and I think with uh, with Seattle, they've been building for this. You know, they've yeah. got their, when, when they first come into the league, uh, USL team, then they the stadium, the fan base. Then it was about winning MLS Cup, which they've done now. They've got into finals, winning the Open Cup, winning the, the Supporters' Shield. They've been building this, getting Leon at home, that are a very, very good team, and beating them 3-0 could have quite easily been about six or seven if Jordan Morris and, and uh, Rodan had, had played their cards right. So... It's the next stepping stone to do that. And to play then to Club World Cup and to play against uh, a Premier League team or, a, you know, maybe Real Madrid in a competitive game, not in a pre-season friendly, when everybody comes over and it's uh, the big house is full up, 100,000 people and no one's, you know, the Rooney comes on for 15 minutes or Ronaldo comes. A real competitive game and they can go toe-to-toe uh, and see what happens there. I think that's another step for the league and for the players and for the coaches. So, you know, that's Seattle already made. NYFC, it's too early for their season. No, they won MLS Cup last year in a little bit of adversity. And, you know, the way that they've had to migrate through their, their stadium and get through different things. Seattle are ready to do that. And, you know, if they go against Cruisers all, they, they've got a good chance of doing it off Boomer. So um, I do a lot of League MX and I think they're up there with them. I think they've got enough quality to do that. I worry a little bit with the depth. But 11 against 11, I think they've got a chance of doing it on a one-off game. And that's, that's something that they can do at home and make it a fortress. And then they've shown away from home. They're quite able to go to, to place, tough places, Seattle, and get a draw and look quite comfortable. Seattle has a little more depth than your usual team, but it's, it's still, compared to the, the League MX clubs, not quite there. But it's a step in the right direction. Another thing that I would have never said that the league needed, but I, I'm not saying it does, but I'm starting to think about it and it, I don't think it's going to happen, is promotion relegation. And what got me to think about that, and look, there's a new team coming in. There's going to be 30 teams soon. And if, a, if, a, if a club invests $150, $200 million, you can't look at them and say, hey, by the way, you're starting in the second division. They're like, oh, F off, you know? Yeah. So you can't do it. But I was watching Leeds Norwich. And that was the one where Jesse Marsh, uh, we're all watching to see if he'd get the result. And then Leeds score in stoppage time after giving up the lead. And the place goes bonkers. And like, this is 14th versus 17th place. And it was the best atmosphere I've seen all season. 14th versus 17th. And you never get that where if you watch the Premier League, and look, this is a game not even at the end of the season. So this is like still two months out and it has that passion. 
And I, that hit me really hard. And I was like, man, that's something you've got to kick the tires on. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but to have a league where, you know, the stakes are high. That's, you know, why we look at the premier league and the Bundesliga because of these games, because every game matters. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I spoke to Landon Donovan about this. Um, obviously he does the team in San Diego and when he went over to Everton and he said, it's, it's crazy. You know, every training session matters. Now, if you have yeah. a couple of bad training sessions, the coach will start having a word. The players, you, you know, you, you start a game, you, you don't do well, you come off at halftime. You might start the second game. You don't do well. You're out maybe for like three or four games. So it's such cutthroat. It's, it's, it can be so harsh. It can be relentless. But the sacrifices and the rewards are so high. Now, obviously, with America relegation, you know, League MX have gone away from that, the promotion relegation, because they wanted to make sure the clubs that was in there financially secure. I think with what you could do is maybe one team where in, you say to all the new owners, like once we get 32 teams in, five years you're going to stay like this. But in the fifth year, now we're going to start promotion and relegation. And back home in, in Europe, that championship game is really like a $200 million game, a one-off game for a team that's going to get promoted into the, uh, the, the Premier League to the promised land. So there's something that we can look at, but none, no other sports do it. Uh, so you're up against that uh, over here and the mindset. But you do have to start somewhere. But yeah. what you do also as well, uh, Max, you make, make sure the team that are coming up from USL, they have to be at a good standard. You know, whether it's a Sacramento or whether it's, you know, Tampa Bay Rowdies or whatever. They, their level have to be at a high level where their stadiums are good. There has to be a, a certain criteria that they met. You can't necessarily say, oh, right, we're just going to give it to whoever's top. They have to get their house in order. They have to have so many, uh, you know, the stadium, finances, you know, capacity in the stadium, then type of things. But there's something there. There's something to play with. But I wouldn't beat the drum always about that because I think we have to be conscious of what we are, the US, and what the US culture is and not always try and copy or imit imitate other countries of what they're doing. You know, this is what yeah. it is, the playoffs. You know, we're coming into the NBA now with the playoffs and this is where it really starts. But it is alien to me. You know, when I spoke to Landon about it, it's like, that's what it was, Landon. You know, and it, it's, stakes. It's cut, it, it's, the stakes are so high and you, it's for your living. You know, okay, you earn the money, but it's, you, you go into a supermarket and, you know, the fans are on your back and you, you, one minute you're great. <laughs> the next thing you, you better, you better get in the back of your car and get out of there. Not you're going to get physically. But you're I don't mean to laugh, food. but, <laughs> no, but it you're happens. like, everyone get in the car. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you, you walk into a restaurant and you see a group of fellas and you go to your wife, we're getting a takeout. We ain't sitting in here. <laughs> you drive up. What's the matter, out. honey? Oh, we're not yeah, eating yeah. here tonight. Keep yeah, going. <laughs> keep, keep the wheels going. Go around. Yeah, the we're going to. The, we're going to have kebab tonight. Sorry. Yeah. We're getting, po getting postmates. Don't worry. They're going to drop it off. Oh, it's uh, I agree. And, and I think that's a really valid point too, Warren, you're great at this. And it's, there's a, there's a pride in having something that's certainly American. I love it. But you mentioned USL. I mean, MLS, if they went to 32 teams, you could have two divisions there. You could have an 18 team first division and a 14 team and then kind of make it. But anyway, it's still it's pie in the sky. It's just, I think everything should, everything should be on the table when the league is kind of at a crossroads for now in growth. But again, 26 years in any league would be kind of at this point, if not blow it. But that said, the league can't be, can't be singing its praises. We're one of the best leagues because we're not. But also, Matt, you said it at the beginning. It'd be interesting with this TV deal. 
you know, because that drives everything in this country. The TV, you know, funny enough, I'm watching last night a big game. It should have been the Lakers versus Golden State, and me and my boys are saying, I don't really recognise any of these players, you know, and that's, you know, that's where the TV comes from because they would have thought, oh, these two teams, they're fighting for playoff position. So you have that as well, you know, one superstar team has, has dropped out the equation. So um, it, it, TV deal is going to be huge coming up now, whether it's ESPN or Fox or they share it or they do it independently. You know, that's another thing that they're, they're, they're speaking about, as we know, because we're in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Nice win for your Magpies today. Recording this on a Great Friday. Win. You're in. You're right, safe. We're, we're safe. Yeah, we were uh, probably safe beforehand, but we're looking upwards rather than downwards. And Eddie Howe's doing a great job. There's an incredible game on Sunday, obviously. We all know Manchester City, Liverpool. City one point ahead of the Reds with uh, eight games to go. So this could determine it. And I think about the, the Martin Tyler call on Sergio Aguero, which was on the final match day. But this kind of is in that stratosphere of a game with so much importance and maybe something incredible happens, you can't miss it. But I think that the talking point, um, and I heard people discussing it everywhere, it was really interesting what I heard. It's like, who's the better manager? And are these the two best managers? And, and Klopp saying Pep's the greatest. And Pep saying that, and, and they get along great. And I think it's, it's a really good debate. Obviously, we can't get into it because it's so much, because it's not just the manager, the tactics, the, the recruitment of players, the developing of players and these guys are on top of all of it and they do it well. And, and I was thinking about these big transfers and you can count on one hand, each team that have kind of missed struck out badly on, uh, on a player. I think Nabi Keita's one for Liverpool, um, Manchester city, you know, you can not, it's too early, but Jack Grealish, you know, because he hasn't had a good season, but there's, and that could still work out well. Um, Mendy, the Mendy, the midfielder, or is he the fullback? I'm sorry, who they spent a ton of money and missed it, but they're very rare. So these guys do it well on everything. And I, I and then the debate was like, I don't want to choose because they're, they're so good. I, I think when, if I had to give anyone an edge, Jurgen Klopp, because I was accustomed to Man City being so dominant, but Liverpool seemed like they weren't going to get it. That year that Suarez and Gerrard slipped and they, Missed winning the title. I got, will they get another shot? Well, they did. They won a European title as well, which City hasn't. But it's this, it's a great, two great teams. But, you know, you're almost as interested as what's happening on the sideline. It's, uh, it's amazing. I, I, I don't know what to expect, but it's, it's exciting that it's coming up this weekend. Yeah, it's two very different characters as well. You know, I was lucky enough in the time where Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger, and it was disliked. Those two did not like each other. These no, two do. No, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was respect but dislike. You know, afterwards they would, would would shake hands, and Sir Alex Ferguson was all about winning at all costs, regardless of what he said or, not, or how he said it. These two have obviously got great respect for each other. I think what Pep Guardiola has done is transformed the transformed the game of how we play it. You know, even the the back pass rule and playing out from the back, someone like Mourinho tried to do it at Spurs, uh, and Pep has obviously took it to a, a whole new level. But what I love about Jurgen Klopp is being able to navigate through difficult times, losing his two superstars when African Cup of Nations they was away and still manage them to be in there. That's a sign of me that I think of a, a top-class coach to, to fill a gap going through and maybe not necessarily have the best players. And the problem with Pep, he always gets judged on about, well, he had Iniesta, Messi in his prime, David Silva. You know, the, the, the list goes on and on. It's Xavi in the middle. Busquets, you know, Puyol at the back, you know, but he, he still found a way to, if you like, reinvent the game, certainly transform the game of how it should be played, 
the mindset, you know, the US, everybody now, when we talk to coaches, oh, we've got to play out from the back, we've got to pass from the back. Klopp has sort of go, yeah, I can do that, but also I'm going to play an, a different style of football. And it's it's relentless. It's very much in the mould of the Premier League. It's, it's relentless, yeah. it's, it's non-stop, it's aggressive, it's in your face. He called it rock, rock music. And I know you love a bit of rock music. And I think that's what he is. He's not, he's not worried about what taste he does. That's how he's doing it. Um, and, and two really, really top-class managers. And the players that you have out there, such a high level. Um, but I just think what Klopp has been able to navigate with losing some of his... And people say, well, also, you know, Pep's lost some players and he doesn't play with a true striker and they was going to get Harry Kane and they spent £100 million on on Grealish. You know, when you're at that level, you're buying the cream. You're buying the best players. You're not scraping around. But you look at Liverpool, you know, Trent Alexander coming through the academy... Phil Foden coming through the academy. They've still been able to do that and then find a little bit of an unknown. Robinson, the left back, who wasn't really playing anywhere at Hull. And to make him to arguably one of the best left backs in the world, that's another sign of a good coach. So I think Liverpool have got that, that bit between their teeth. They've got the momentum, um, the way that they play, the way that they press. Um, City dominate possession. Um, and I've never seen it before. Max, the other day, we, I mean, we talk about Simeone and what a great coach he is. <laughs> it, 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 it blew my mind to play 5-5 five, five and not even a forward. 5-5-0. Five, five, if, if, that's, if that's a way of coaching, I don't want to be involved in that. I, I loved it wow. when he had it before and he was breaking down and it was great on the counter-attack. But that, I know it's in the business of getting through to a final and he's going to change it at home. And, but they're better than that. They've got better players than, than Greece. They do. Players. Absolutely do. Uh, uh, and, okay, he can say, well, we only lost 1-0. Listen, I play for the entertainers. I'm not saying we didn't win anything. But you've got to go and play and try and win a game. They never looked like they wanted to win the game. but And that's what Pepper's done. Pepper's sent coaches like that into chaos and, you know, saying that we're just going to get everybody behind the ball and we're not going to even attempt to go forward. I mean, he, that's the first game that Simeone's had that he's never had one shot on target. But not one shot. I don't think there was one shot that they had. wasn't nice to watch. Pepper, no, and that's what Pep's done. That's what Pep's been able to do. He's gone into uh, their heads. And without playing a striker. I mean, how, yeah. when is that about? When, when, that's you know, not when football. do you play a game? No, no, he's, he's, he's off the charts with the way he thinks about the game. But the biggest question that Pep's always had, the big games, does he overthink it? You know, rather than we're City, we're going to play our way. He's always thinking about the opposition. But you've only got to see him when he's interviewed. His mind's going 100 miles yeah. an hour. He's scratching his nose, his ears, his, whatever he's scratching. He's, he's just thinking. His mind's working overtime. Um, and and, and like and last year, he, he couldn't get the result over Chelsea. And you could see that it was like, he just he couldn't figure it out. It's like, what's going wrong? And why is this team doing this to us? Mm. It, th- those oh, are little cracks in his career. I fancy them to win it this year, though. I'm, I'm wearing pal blue. I didn't do that for a reason, but I think they win the. Cha- I think they will win the championship. League. I will not pick them because I've picked them the last two years. So I don't want to sound. I pick Liverpool. I picked Liverpool Chelsea final, but well, that's not going to happen. So maybe I'll switch it to Liverpool Real Madrid. Liverpool, Liverpool win the Premier League. City will win the Champions League. I hope. I hope so for Pep. I really do. And again, I'd like to see the the title go to different yeah. clubs and different teams. But that, yeah, that's I the first time. For, I feel sorry for someone that's won thirty five trophies. Yeah, I wish you'd get another one. That was the worst. I was watching the final four and Coach Shashevsky loses. He's won like six national titles. And I go, I go, this is amazing. But he loses in his last game to his biggest rival in the final four. I go, that kind of that kind of sucks. Would you would you say the same about Belichick then? 
<laughs> no. Oh no, no, you exactly. Well, because they don't have a rival. They don't have a rival like that. But I mean, I was just like, I didn't even think about it. I go, oh man, that's not that's no fun. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Warren, always very thoughtful. Love talking with you, and look forward to more conversations. Certainly about USA England, but about all topics. And thanks for sharing your wisdom with uh, the folks listening in here on the on the soccer OG. Good pleasure, my friend. Good luck. Good man. Warren Barton in the business end, now out of the business end. We'll be back with more Soccer OG stoppage time coming up. We'll talk about this MLS media deal and the perception of the league. That's next. I always like to say nice things after I'm done with some of these guests, but Warren Barton, I can't believe I've known him this long. We were doing the Champions League at Fox and he came over and it's uh, it's very cool to uh, to see him doing so well and getting some good reps for Fox. He was he's, I didn't really ask him, but based on what you're seeing, he's going to be part of that crew that calls World Cup games, and uh, I really enjoy it. He's got a certain way with him, and he's a good dude. So this is stoppage time. I haven't had one of these in a couple of weeks, but uh, as you all know, or maybe you don't, MLS was coming out its media package with ESPN, Fox, and Univision ends the end of this year. There was talk. From the commissioner and Major League Soccer, they'll have a new deal announced uh, by the end of March. So needless to say, I am, uh, I am involved being a local broadcaster for LAFC. And word on the street is that maybe there's going to be a shift. Perhaps they're going to get a, a centralized feed. And listen, I don't know. I don't pry. I don't ask questions because I'm not getting answers. I know some stuff's been leaked. I don't know anything. And that's what's driving me a little batty because I have phone calls. I talk to the guys at different clubs. What are you hearing? What's going on? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think they're going to have a change of heart? It's too late in the game. These are the conversations constantly. I've had them because this is uh, work. Right now, you, you'd like the, the status quo. Things are going well. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm getting old. I don't want to change, <laughs> change things up. And I have a good relationship with the folks at LAFC, but... You know, there's guys that cover these these teams all over, and they don't know what's happening. It's a pretty seismic shift if they centralize stuff as opposed to localizing. And right now, just so you know, the broadcasts, um, the Premier League centralized. So you have 10 games, and they all come from one production house, and they all look the same and sound the same. NBC puts their own broadcast on top of one of the local feeds, I believe, but it's definitely their broadcast. But all the other ones, and the Premier League's the best. And every league does this. They have a world feed, and... You can either choose to produce over, which comes at a price tag, and a lot of places are doing that less and less because, hey, I don't blame them. You wanna, you have budgets, you gotta stay underneath that. So you can take, if you have a really good world feed, like you see the one with the Premier League, why would you do anything to it? And they spend a lot of money on that world feed, and it's really, really good. And you have the best announcers, like Proudfoot and uh, Ian Dark and you know, a collection of guys, Martin Tyler. But it's, it's important to, to give yourself a, a sense of the network. You can connect yourself to the broadcast. So NBC has Arlo White, and there's a seamless move from the studio to the broadcast. You can promote what you want to promote. You can put your own graphics. All of that engages the audience. It, it may be something subconsciously, but there's a comfort to that. When you feel the announcer is talking to you, when maybe the world feed isn't, because the world feed is broadcasting to a world. And that's what they're supposed to. They're not supposed to pick favorites. Oh, I better talk to the Caribbean or I better talk to India or I better talk to the United States. Different World feed. You keep it close to the vest. So all this is going on. And maybe a world feed makes sense because it's, there's a big disparity 
there's investment disparities in local broadcasts in MLS. You know, some people drop a, uh, you know, I enjoy a lot of them. And some of them, it's not that I don't enjoy them, but you can see they don't have a pre or post. It's pretty limited. And that's a bottom, that's a bottom line kind of situation. So we're all hearing about this. And I'm not here to say I know what's going to happen. We might get news of this pretty soon. Uh, there was an athletic report. I'm sure you read about uh, maybe MLS is not going to get what they wanted. And who might not be involved? Uh, it's there, Sam Stasekel and Paul Tenorio. Um, that information wasn't supposed to get out, I can assure you. And MLS doesn't want it to get out. And again, I know nothing. But this is something that affects me. And I want to know. And I want to know immediately when it happens. Because in the event that you have to switch things, you're ready to go. And see what you have to do. So... We've seen some huge rights deals. Obviously, the $2 billion one for Premier League, which I bring up and up again. What's it? $800 million for La Liga. It's a crazy amount of money. The last media package for MLS for everything was $90 million. So they were looking to get a lot more. And you think about it. Yeah, MLS isn't what these leagues can provide. But there's a lot of inventory. And this league is getting better. But when this news came out that maybe they're not getting what they want, I was, like, I was scratching my head. I go, why? It's a great product. And then I think about all these conversations that I've had and going on social media and people ask, saying, taking shots at MLS because it's easy. And talking to Warren Barton about that and saying that somebody says he doesn't like MLS and they go, why don't you watch a game? And he goes, no, I don't have to. Just already making that opinion. And look, we all have limited amount of times on how much sport we can watch. So as we said earlier in this podcast, if you watch five Premier League games a weekend, you haven't got time to watch other leagues. Your family's going to like, ah, uh, can we get out of the house? The good thing about the Premier League is if you can get up really early, you can get that out of the way by 2 p.m., right? <laughs> so you can have a nice brunch. But either you watch one or you watch a little bit of each. But, you know, the, the disdain and the, the slings and arrows shot at MLS is, is out of line. Sure, then they have to restructure this salary cap, maybe eliminate it one day. Sure, they have to start beating Mexican clubs in Liga MX. Sure, they have to be producing maybe at a higher clip of players, although they think they're doing a really nice job of that. This league has gotten better. I've seen it since the beginning. Maybe there's too many teams, but there's, there's a bar that's been set and all these clubs are trying to match it. And I applaud that. But it's an unwinnable fight when people aren't going to even watch just because it's MLS. We saw it as well when... The U.S. were qualifying. It's not everyone, but there's this umbrella disdain for MLS about, no, we don't want any MLS players on this national team. Well, we did have some MLS players on the national team, and they played a big role. Miles Robinson, Matt Turner, Walker Zimmerman, Kellen Acosta. I want to say Paul Ariola, but I know you people laugh, but that guy was big time in that Panama game. Ricardo Pepe was an MLS player until recently. This is... And importantly for a national team. So when people say it's a black and white thing, we just want the European players. Listen, I saw those European players because they're young. You're expected to struggle. I saw them wilt on these road games in Costa Rica, at Panama. You've seen it. So, but that's to be expected. You don't just go to these situations for years that they've struggled in and all of a sudden you flip the switch. I'm more talented. We're going to get a result. doesn't happen that way. You need to get some reps. But MLS is a big part of that. And it's going to continue to be a big part. I think every player on the national team, except Pulisic, Dest, maybe a couple other guys, 
didn't have some connection to MLS before reaching the heights. That includes Weston McKinney, who was an FC Dallas Academy player and several others. So I think about what Major League Soccer is going through and it gets me kind of, gets me kind of hot. And perceptions can't change overnight, but just give it a shot, give it a chance. Watch some of the games. Be respectful of the players that go to the national team. It's not just the US team. Look at Canada, that's an MLS squad. Mexico's got MLS players. Peru has got a bunch of MLS players. They'll probably be going to the World Cup. Uruguay. This Polish striker, Sviderski, is supposedly going to be the backup for Lewandowski. There's good players. Is it top to bottom good? No. But it's a, if you're in the United States or Canada, this is your league. This is something you can invest in. It. This is something you can go to the games. I just wish that it would get a better shot. And I know I sound like a bust out the violins, right? But give it a better shot. Has this league overpromised? Sure. Did uh, the commissioner come out and say we're going to be one of the best leagues in the year? That's not true. But this is our league. Could be your league. I will say this. Show me a league that after 25 years has come as far as MLS. And we'd like to think maybe 25, 50 years it'll still be there. But if you don't get a good media package, you've got to be on TV. You've got to be giving your clubs money from TV. That's what made the NFL, right? The NBA. Filling your pockets with TV money. MLS needs that too. I don't know how to solve it. There's a league. There's the local rights. There's a lot there. I'm a big believer. I see what they do at LAFC and it blows me away. I think it could be a world club in a few years. But we need to uh, walk before we run. So I just get a little bit off my chest. But I think that's timely. That's a timely story of what's going on. I hope things work out well. Maybe they have to kick it, the rock down a couple years and wait till the World Cup in 2026 rolls around so you can get, make this league more attractive. And there's going to be big stars. And I'll tell you something else. For fans of the big American players like Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney, Serginio Dest, all those guys, an MLS club, and we saw it with Lorenzo Insigne giving him a ton of money, an MLS club might go to Weston McKinney and offer him a huge deal, and he'll come here. And these Amer young American players will start making a way here. The league's going to find ways to get interest locally, and that'll make a difference. Maybe big stars continue following Lorenzo Insigne because you can pay certain players more money than they make in Europe. A lot, a lot to absorb, but give it a shot. Just for a minute, if you're giving, just, just find ways to, to get in, especially if you're in the United States or Canada. This is the Soccer OG. Always a pleasure to be with you. I'm off to check out the Galaxy LAFC at Dignity Health Sports Park on Saturday. I love it. Make sure you check it out. That's going to be an LA event. We'll be back. More World Cup talk across the board. Until then, Placido Domingo. <laughs>